Warning, this podcast contains explicit sexual language and should only be listened to at work if you're looking for an excuse to connect with your HR representative. Additionally, all mentions of the word women include cis, trans, envy, genderqueer, genderfluid, and those still figuring it out. Yes, you. You are welcome here. Will you open up with me? These pages, they can feed your innermost desires. Do you feel inspired? Are you getting what you need? Are you coming curiously? A secret safe with me. And here you can simply be yourself. Hi, y'all. This is Jace. And you found Jace Reads Romance, a community empowering women about sex and sexuality through the reading of romance novels. This week, I am joined by the incredible Scarlett, who is going to participate in a juicy conversation with me about romance novels, our favorites, our least favorites how romance novels evolved in Scarlett's relationships and her life and with reading in general, and so much more. Scarlett, please introduce yourself to our incredible community. Hey, friends. Uh, my name is Scarlett Carson. Um, I uh, hang out. I'm pretty cool. Um, I am sort of an interdisciplinary artist, as I like to say. Um, at the end of the day, I am a storyteller. Um, so jokes on you, you're gonna get to listen to me talk for a while. Um, and that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, I'm very excited to hang out with Jace tonight. We're gonna uh tell some cool stories about some books, um, and some characters and uh, some connections. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. It'll be good. It will be amazing. So we're gonna dive right in. Tell us more about your history with romance novels. Okay. Um, so hmm. for my <clears throat> backing up a little bit, uh Interview with the Vampire came out uh mm -hmm. in like 1992, I wanna say. <laughs> and I was a the movie, not the book, to be clear. Good clarification. Um, but I was always a voracious reader. I started very early. Um, it is truly the greatest gift my grandparents gave me um, was encouraging um, a love of reading from a deeply young age um, and then sending that off to become my parents' problem, which is how we got here. Um, <laughs> so when the interview with the vampire movie came out and I was absolutely enthralled by it, I got the book the following Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so by the time we got to my 10th birthday, my mom had found out that Anne Rice was writing other books under a pen name. So for my 10th birthday, I was given the claiming of Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> so there was no 
tiptoeing or into the genre. There was no sneaky around. I wish I had a cool story about like the footlocker full of bodice rippers that I found under my mom's bed. No, I straight up was just giving the smuttiest smut that ever smutted um, when I was 10. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Great blend of, you know, familiar fairy tales because a 10 year old's definitely familiar with Sleeping Beauty because mm-hmm. Disney. Um, <laughs> and um, I think that instilled, you know, a definite affinity for um, mashups and sort of fanfic for sure. <laughs> and other, <laughs> and, you know, um, certain proclivities later in life that uh, have had we'll get to. several, we'll get, to. we'll get to here, but have also resulted in several conversations with my mom of, I don't know what you were expecting. <laughs> so well, you started, the, you started yeah. this. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Romance novels. Um, romance. No- it's so funny when people like think about romance novels, they immediately picture someone older and what, I love about the conversation that we've been having is that romance novels introduced early can be incredibly empowering for people when they eventually get to those places in their life where they're feeling sexual feelings. And I think there's this strange, what I, what I get is that there's this strange need to hide sex from children. And I get that on some level. But then what happens is all of these sexual feelings occur and no one knows what's happening. And so for the people who are lucky enough to have had access to shame-free sex from romance novels or conversations with parents, if you're lucky, or some sort of adult, those feelings then can be expressed in a, in a healthier and more understanding way. Like there's nothing wrong with them. So I'm so glad that happened. And oh man, do I like a fairy tale retelling. Right? Um, And I mean, the, I feel like the unchecked access to HBO as a kid um, (laughs) helped because I would, from an even younger age, had a very um, strong academic interest in sex and sexuality, um, just from real sex on HBO. And watching it after the boxing match would be over and my dad would be asleep on the floor on top of the remote. And it's like, well, um, I could go to bed or I could sit here and figure out, you know, Oh, that's a, that's a thing people are into. That's interesting. Or like these huge communes and the, the whole idea of like freedom in sexuality and knowing, um, what things were called very early on instead of having mm-hmm. to tiptoe around language or um, much to the chagrin of all of my friends' parents and everyone on the playground, uh, you know, proper terminology and also several very cute slang words. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, having sort of that framework too, I think um, is something that I kind of wish more people had had the opportunity to um, explore even mm-hmm. like, cause it was never, it was a very sort of neutered look at 
the world, I wasn't sitting there suddenly having an awakening of my sexuality at that time, but it was absolutely lighting off things in my brain, uh, which turned into another one of those. I don't, I really don't know what you were expecting when I grew up and I was like, oh no, I teach classes in a sex club about negotiation and BDSM. And what do you mean? I, how are you surprised? Truly. Um, and I think that with like a, a literary background, uh, on top of that, it's just one of the coolest intersections of, um, hyperfixation. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only word. Uh, <laughs> I want to put a pin in this in my brain and I'm going to, no, I'm not going to pin it. I'm going to, we're going to ask now. So we talked right, right now switching it up about language and the things that you learned and the words that you had and the tools that they gave you. How do you think having access to those, those words helped you in your own sexual exploration? And I don't necessarily mean like just becoming a human who has sexual feelings because that happens and that's puberty or that doesn't happen. And that's puberty. Yeah. And learning to express those with partners later on in life. How has the how has that language that you gleaned from novels, from media helped you in that journey? Um, I think in a lot of ways it honestly made it one of the due to a myriad of other factors and reasons and whatnot, um, and things that we aren't here to talk about but happen in life, right, are, it ended up one of the only places in my life that I actually felt comfortable asking for what I wanted or needed. Um, You know, I struggled to tell somebody that I was hungry while we were out running errands, but I could absolutely articulate erotically graphic detail, um, you know, what what I wanted um, in uh, an encounter um, or even, you know, zooming out from that, my expectations in a partner, what I was looking for in a relationship. And I think that uh, in the way that we talk about, oh, you know, these young girls reading these n- romance novels, it's going to give them unrealistic expectations of men. And while I do, <clears throat> I do think that that is true. I do also think that there is opportunity there with sort of critical thinking, media literacy, and all of these sort of other skills yes, it's fantasy. Yes, you want to escape. Yes, you want to check out. But then when you come back from it, when the book is closed, you can sort mm-hmm. of sit back and go, well, um, that's great for, you know, for them, but uh, absolutely the fuck not, Bella. What the hell? Uh, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that is part of why it did, you know, Despite all of the, uh, you know, real sex on HBO, the claiming of Sleeping Beauty and all this other 
shenanigree. I was in college before I started, um, you know, exploring any of that with my own sort of corporeal form. Um, when I started taking any of that out of the sort of theoretical or the fantastical, um, and taking it into the world in which I actually existed. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, for better or worse, that's what happened. And in retrospect, I think that that was actually pretty cool. There's no judgment. Like, yeah, there's no timeline that anyone has to be on for their exploration, both in their own brain and, as you said it, in your corporeal form. Yeah. And what I love about that, too, is that, you know, the idea of like peer pressure and societal expectations and getting into heteronormativity or, you know, who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to want or not, having that sort of solid foundation, whatever that is, I I honestly think that that is a skill set that should be being taught. Again, along yeah. with like critical thinking and media literacy, but I know where <laughs> we live. So I'm yep. a dreamer. <laughs> I I love that for you. And I love that for our society. I okay. would too, but <laughs> here <laughs> we are. That'd be great. Here we are. So let's, I'm going to ask you some questions about that journey. So yeah. as you talked about, what did you, what were the things that you were learning about yourself? when you kind of started that journey of, of exploring in, in your mind, especially, and how did that affect and change once you started to engage with either yourself physically or, and especially with partners? I, that's so, that's so interesting. Um, no, I think that, um, there's sort of this arc where there were so many different things that were going on in so many different scenarios and, you know, time periods and aesthetics and situations and whatever. And in a kind of expectation versus reality way, there was a lot of opportunity for things that I thought uh, sounded great that actually fucking suck by the way um <laughs> and a lot of things that were like oh my god that sounds amazing and getting right down to it i was like mm, not for me actually um but also in terms of you know over time i think uh in sort of all of the other intersections of self discovery leaning into my power you know, becoming more feral, um, <laughs> being in therapy, um, all of the, all of the sort of things. Um, I think that, you know, reclaiming, not necessarily like the, uh, the feminine spirit, but I think that, you know, sort of rediscovering all of the things that living in a bullshit patriarchal society tells you you can't do you know, whatever that ends up looking like for everybody, honestly, I think that there's a lot to be 
you know, there's so much to explore there. And I feel like that's going to be my tagline for the night. And I already hate it. But I think, (laughs) (laughs) I just think we could do better. No, um, but I think that there's a lot there that, you know, over time and in sort of the, my, my bullshit esoteric thing has always been that like life is a full series of orbits and cycles, right? And everything sort of, is connected cosmically and everything, but stuff keeps coming back. And it's not like, well, if you keep ending up in the same place, it's because you didn't learn the lesson the first time. And I don't think that's true, but I do think that when you end up back in a place, it's an opportunity to evaluate, like, is this still working for me? Is this Mm -hmm. still who I am? And you can sort of uh, shed that. Animals do it with their skin. We get to do it with, you know, the person that we get to put on every morning, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that applies here with the journey of interests in the genre as a whole, but also the takeaways from it. You know, there's points where I'm here for the world building. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm here for the naughty bits i'm here for the costume porn um i'm here for the relationships and the conflicts and the you know um the twist on the hero's journey or the monster fucking or whatever it is and i think that nobody asked yet uh one of my favorite things about kashiel's dart (laughs) (laughs) perfect perfect segue (laughs) is um Every time I reread it, it's for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And there have been a lot of books over the years that I've reread and for a lot of reasons. Um, even School Assignments Counts is a reason to reread a book, y'all. But there's a lot of books that I've come back to on purpose, but that's the one where Every time I pick it back up, it's for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is because, my gods, Jacqueline Carey can build a world. Um, and yes, points can be made about, you know, how she didn't include any details about how any of the 12 houses of the night court handle birth control. It's fine. It's a fantasy novel. There's no birth control in Dungeons and Dragons either. Okay? <laughs> you roll a constitution save and you're fine. I assume <laughs> that there's some sort of tincture going on in Cirrus house. Stop asking questions. Just read your book. But, you know, Phaedra's story is so interesting. The differences in each of the 12 houses, the stuff that happens in certain houses, um, the stuff that doesn't happen in certain houses, the way that the world that is built uh, parallels actual cultures and tribes and history of our real world, or even just, you know, the way that the clothes are described is real pretty. There's always a different reason to come back to it. And I think that that's really lovely. And I think that there's a lot of things within romance and romance as a genre or you know whatever book talk is calling it spicy fiction or (laughs) whatever whatever the you know nom de jour of this type of 
body of work is. I think that there's, I think if you ask, and I'm the asshole who makes this a first date question uh, with any of my partners, um, is everyone has a book like that. Mm-hmm. I think everyone or a series or a set of characters. And Jace, I want to know what yours is, honestly. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you. Okay. Sorry, y'all. I'm, no, they do. Um, every yeah. there's a there's a deep 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 love for for certain characters, and y'all one day one day y'all have a conversation with me, but that day is not today. All right, can we take a pivot and talk about romance novels in practicum with your sexual journey? Yes. Are you comfortable with that, Scarlett? Oh, okay. for sure, for sure. Cool. Obviously, we have an incredible passion for romance in in general, the genre, the world building, the what it can do for a human. And I want to ask, what has it allowed you to discover about yourself and take from maybe we we've kind of hinted at it, like that societal patriarchal expectation of man, woman, missionary position and allowed you to explore, to be, to embrace, or to reject? There is an entire world that exists that I can actually participate in. I am sadly never going to get to explore the Shire. I'm never <laughs> going to be able to, you know, see Terdrange. I'm never going to... I'm not going to get to see New Orleans, the the New Orleans that Louis and Lestat lived in, right? Mm-hmm. I can, however, absolutely go on a journey with myself and my partners and my friends who happen to also be partners, or even within my platonic relationships, on these journeys and on these orbits and down these paths are showcased in this meet in this huge, you know, genre of media that is listed as fantasy, but also actually exists and are truly possible in the real world in which we live. And you can, you can really have some of that in Mm -hmm. real life. Uh, The rules are a lot different in real life than they are perceived in the portrayed in the books. But you can still do it. And I think that that, for me, that realization for me was probably the coolest uh, thing that came out of, you know, being a weird kid who just climbed trees and read books. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I can actually, but I can actually do that. That can actually be part of my real life. So you mentioned way earlier that you teach classes at a dungeon. And I want to know how have you did. You did mention that. I, and I did teach classes. I, you I've did been teach on classes a bit a of a hiatus. I've not come back from uh, like COVID restrictions and I've not. That's just, all good. So, <laughs> but like one of the beautiful things about romance novels, I think, is that I'm noticing, and maybe you have too, I don't know, but 
a lot of the non-mainstream happens in books first. And books can allow what's one of the fundamental things about Tracy's romance is within a book, you are able to explore your sexuality in a way that is safe, in a way that is contained, and in a way that is really personal. And I would love to hear just a little bit about your journey realizing that kink and that non-traditional binary cis het story that is so prevalent in mainstream media. How was that journey and that discovery helped along by the romance novels that you were reading? I think a big component to that comes from, and it's when you know better, you do better. But Mm -hmm. uh, Marion Zimmer Bradley has in her canon a book called Witch Hill is a story that is told in 47 different ways and the plot doesn't really matter. But it was the first book that I had read um, that showcased sort of a sex magic and sacred sexuality um, Mm. in practice. And I think that sort of planted some seeds that were definitely watered later. Um, The first class I ever taught in the dungeon was on sacred sexuality and sex magic. So I don't know what you were expecting, mom. Um, (laughs) But I think that um, there's definitely a couple of things that have those same sort of roots for me. And I know that there's a lot of things like that that have become so intrinsic in the tapestry of who you know scarlet is as this bitch in this time on this orbit that would not exist if it were not for these stories um and these ideas and seeing them on paper and again one of those great things about it is that you can take A lot of this, not all of it, certainly. If anyone can find me a gold dragon, I'm just saying my number. No, but (laughs) there's so much of it that you can take into the real world and into every day. And I think that a lot of it, it's a lot more practical than it is given credit for. And I think part of that reason is because it gets dismissed as a genre for a lot of the same reasons like pop music does. People talked a lot of shit about the Beatles in the 60s when young girls were screaming about John Lennon. And now all of a sudden they're like these musical geniuses that are on these pedestals um, because a bunch of cis white men decided and i think that i mean they did the same thing to frank sinatra that's another one of those orbits and cycles things that i will go on a tangent about (laughs) but i think that it in the way that you know pop music is so stupid because girls like it i think Mm -hmm. that romance novels as genre you know it's lonely old women who live with their cats And it's, which my cat is named after a character in a Anita Blake novel, by the way. And I think that one of 
like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, women like that. It must be stupid. Um, I'm sorry, but I cannot take any of the principles or concepts from fucking Mass Effect into the real world. But what I can do is decide that you are not the kind of person that I want to spend my time with because mm-hmm. my, my hot take that'll get me burned in the village square uh, is that I don't like Jane Austen, but I will say that Mr. Darcy did it right. <laughs> <laughs> we need more Mr. Darcy's is the thing. As someone who's been participating in the reading of romance novels for so long, and as someone who has been fortunate enough to have a sexual discovery that isn't mainstream, not that it's bad to be mainstream, but for so many people who aren't mainstream, it is hard to have that discovery in a way that is empowering and doesn't make you feel alone or like you're broken or like you just don't fit the mold that everybody else is telling you. How are you seeing that reality of, I don't have to be cishet white moving in the direction of romance novels? Like, are you, fuck, how am I supposed to say this? Um, or, no, yeah. that was perfect. No, my heart, grew through, my heart, like the Grinches, right, grew three sizes that day because for me, again, because of all of the shit that happens when you're little and sets you up for things to judge joke about in therapy later as an adult um there was never a path in this timeline where I was going to be that Mm -hmm. uh it was never gonna happen and the fact that I was able to find an avenue or a path or the fucking permission and the it's okay and there's more of you and there's this whole beautiful, wonderful community and these wonderful people. Um, and you can talk about things other than orgasms, but you can also have them. Um, it's been so, I'm getting misty and you just asked me a question about books. It has been so wonderful to see the huge cultural shift of other people seeing that they have that permission too, and in the other ways that they have that permission now. That, Mm -hmm. you know, five, 10, 40, whatever, years ago, again, with that orbits and cycles sort of system, seeing so many people also find, I don't know if it's like a subtle call from the universe that they're answering, if that's like the call to action on their hero's journey, not to get bogged down in literary archetypes, which I could also go on way too long about. But I think that we've met. I think that that's been one of my, that's been my favorite part. Like there's a lot of things that I've watched change and evolve. And I could get into like how discourse is different on Tumblr versus Twitter and how I love fandom, except that I fucking hate fandom. But no, like genuinely my favorite part has been watching the evolution and the expansion truly of people who have realized that they also have that permission to just 
show up, live authentically, be who the fuck they are. And to take that, the practical fantasy aspects into their shitty day jobs in real life, into their corporeal form and just live that truth, live that, live their story. I think what I'm what I'm hearing from you and what I hope gets you as excited as me is that as the the world and the content and the books that we have at our disposal live more authentically in themselves, they have a more holistic view of who humanity is and how humanity loves and hopefully also how humanity communicates about their sexuality and how they want to love. It shows those people who didn't have that or don't have that at their disposal right now, wherever they are in this world, that they aren't alone. Maybe they're in a community where no one loves like them or no one thinks like them or no one uses the words that they want to use, but they now have access to a book and a story and a character that does, that shows them that they're not alone, that they are, there are people out there who represent them and that they can find that community, maybe not in the place where they are physically in that moment, but uh, first in the pages of the book and maybe online and eventually somewhere else in this world. And I think that that is incredibly powerful. And I do, I do want, like, I don't just read, you know, cis white women novelists. <laughs> I uh, shout out to Neil Gaiman, but also N.K. Jemisin. And there's so much, the other part of the evolution of the genre, right, is that there's so much more mm-hmm. and there's so much more access and bless the internet mm-hmm. because there's, stories the same archetypes and the same you know sort of structures coming from all over the place and there's more diversity in that and more exploration in that and the map has gotten larger and i love that and i i currently love digging into that aspect mm-hmm. of it but in a conversation about where the roots come from. That's what I had to work with. And that's still sort of, again, in the, in the cycles where it comes back to, and you can see where those roots go and where those roots grow. Um, But I think that the really cool thing also, and other than people finding out that they have permission to be is the, um, accessibility mm-hmm. within the genre in a way that I don't see a lot of in other fiction. Yeah. It's not exclusive, but it is extremely prevalent. And I appreciate that very much because the, the writers are taking the extra steps to care for their audience and for you know other people uh people of other types not necessarily just for their characters but for their mm-hmm. readers and for people whose lives they are touching and i i love that oh all right sadly we're getting we're coming we? we're just coming to an end i have five questions that I like to ask my guests at the end of these conversations. And the first one is, what is your favorite romance novel? 
because she'll start. I have, I have a quote from the book tattooed on my body. I think that makes it my favorite. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so number two, where slash how do you prefer to read? Physical book, ebook, audiobook? Is there a favorite reading place or anywhere, anytime? My dream answer is anywhere, anytime. Um, my late stage capitalism answer is anywhere that the dopamine receptors in my brain will let me. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely curled up in a blanket fort, uh, with maximum co's. Um, and I, sorry, y'all, I am a sucker for a physical copy of a book. Uh, it's the smell, it's the tactile experience. It's, I try with audiobooks. um, it sounds too much like, be it feels too much like being read to and I fall asleep. Um, <laughs> I wish I could handle that more because that would be easier. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, physical books and whenever I can. Amazing. So at JCB's Romance, we have this idea called Comfy Sexy. It is the idea that in your comfiest clothes, in your safest of spaces, you are also able to explore your sexuality through the reading of romance novels. And I would love to hear what does that phrase comfy sexy elicit for you? Uh, you might actually remember when I got it. I, I have and have had for years at this point. Uh, it's not quite threadbare, but it is definitely well-loved. Um, this black velvet robe with like fuzzy sleeves um it's not a Catherine Delish I do have one of those but that's not what it is uh but it's this very heavy almost brocade weight um and it's a bathrobe that I honestly got at a super Kmart in the suburbs when I was visiting my mother uh way back when but it's it's just there's something about it that just feels like the Im- ambiguous hug of whether it's the characters in the book you're reading or the w- world that you're in. It's this very, it's like an old smoking jacket from Masterpiece Theater on PBS. Mm-hmm. It's like that vibe. And I yeah. I love that thing so Amazing. much. It's so comfy and it's so sexy and it's, love it. Done. Sold. Next question is, when do you feel your sexiest? I want to have such a good answer to that question. But in my soul, I feel like the answer is when I'm not trying to Mm -hmm. be sexy. Love that. All right. Last question. The last bit of time that you have here. What is the one thing you want women to know? about sex and sexuality like your soapbox thing it's not that there are no rules but there are no rules um the biggest rule is consent and wash your hands (laughs) (laughs) so scarlet where can our listeners find you if they wish to connect and our listeners find um that depends on why they're looking for me um (laughs) Truly, I am available on the Instagrams uh, as Scarlet Butterfly. I am, uh, I do write sometimes uh, and occasionally publish on Medium uh, as Scarlet Parson. Uh, I'm still on Tumblr. 
I'm still on Tumblr, um, waiting for that to come back to life. Um, I'm on Twitter if you want all of my super hot takes about Critical Role. Yeah, sometimes I'm out in the world. I'm hoping to do more writing again soon. Thank you, Scarlett, so much for for joining me today, y'all. I hope you had Thank as much you fun for listening. having me. This as has been wonderful. I had talking, and this is Jace holding space for you. And that's it for today, y'all. This has been a Three Paws Productions podcast. You can find Jace and so much more at jacereadsromance.com. That's J-A-Y-C-E readsromance.com. Follow along on TikTok and Instagram at jacereadsromance. And if you'd like to send an email, our email address is jace at jacereadsromance.com. To leave a voicemail with a question or testimonial for a future episode, call and leave a message at 661-JACE-RR. That's 661-529-2377. And finally, like and subscribe so you can get every episode when they drop. And remember, this is Chase, holding space for you. 